The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Thank you for joining this ACB Diabetics in Action call. Established in 2005, ACBDA is a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Our primary mission is to educate and support individuals living with diabetes and vision loss, parents and caregivers. If you would like more information about ACBDA, please send an email to acbdaorg at gmail.com. Our website is www.acbda.org. If you'd like to become a member, dues are $10 annually. Visit our membership page and website at www.acbda.org. Please keep in mind that we are not medical professionals and that this call is strictly for informational purposes and is based on our members' and friends' personal experiences. You should consult with your medical team before making any changes to your diabetes care regime. Again, thank you for joining us. Well, good evening, everybody. My name is Roberta McCall, and I will be facilitating our call this evening. Thank you all for coming. We are ACBDA, and we have a special guest this evening, Julie Slusher of the Braille Institute from California is going to tell us all about the Braille Institute, and I'm really looking forward to it. You're on, Julie. Okay, let me go ahead and share my screen. Thank you, Roberta. Get this back up. Alrighty, and if somebody can let me know if they can see that, otherwise I'll just keep going with it. So welcome everybody. Thank you. Um, thank you for the introduction again. Yeah, my name is Julie and I'm with the Braille Institute. I work at the one in Laguna Hills in California. Um, and what I do at Braille Institute is I'm an instructor called an independent living skills instructor. So I work with people who have different um, different kinds of vision loss. And what I do is I try to teach them um, different techniques and different skills to continue to be independent um, with different, just all different kinds of aspects of their life. So what I'm going to talk about today in this presentation is how Braille Institute um, has services for people that have vision impairment. And I'll talk about um, different kinds of eye diseases as well. So I'm going to go ahead and go to the next slide. And I'm going to talk first about statistics. Um, in the United States, there's about 12 million people over the age of 40 who live with vision impairment. Now, this includes about 1 million people who are totally blind, 3 million people who have vision impairment after they've had correction, and about 8 million people that have vision impairment due to uncorrective refractive error. Um, I want you to really think about the age because we don't think about um, vision loss as something that happens to younger people. We think it a bit more about, you know, that happens to older people, but it's actually over the age of 40 is when people start to develop um, eye diseases. And the most common eye diseases that we see are gonna be cataracts, macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy, and glaucoma. And just for information about half the people that are coming to Braille Institute for the first time um, have recently been diagnosed with one of these eye diseases. And so they're seeking our help. And just like you, we're not a medical facility. Um, we're considered a non-medical facility. So the next slide, we're just gonna talk a little bit about what is um, vision loss. Some of these definitions can be a little um, 
tricky to understand, and especially for people that don't have vision impairment, it's good to know the definition and how to be able to explain to another person. So first, we're going to talk about standard vision. Um, standard vision is what we also call 2020 vision. And this is usually the way the best way I can reference this is for me, I think about when I go to the eye doctor, and they make you look at that eye chart, you're standing 20 feet away from that eye chart. And they're asking you to read all the letters down to a certain line. And if you're able to do that, you've got 2020 vision. Um, most of us don't have standard vision or 2020 vision without, you know, if, if we do, um, we have to wear glasses or whatever to correct it to 2020 vision. Um, from there, we're going to talk about people that have what we call low vision. Low vision, the definition is functional vision, which is permanently affected so that daily activities are more difficult to do. And this affects about three and a half million Americans over the age of 40. So this isn't so much about the 2020. This is about you've been diagnosed with an eye disease. And now because you've got that eye disease, part of your vision is affected and you're not able to do those daily activities. I like to think of things like cataracts. Um, cataracts to me just strikes me as something that's a good definition for low vision. So like before you didn't have cataracts, you had maybe 20-20 vision, but then these cataracts came up and now it's affecting your vision. You know, you can get the cataracts removed and you're going right back to your standard vision again. So low vision doesn't necessarily mean that it's permanent. Low, or low vision just means that it's affecting your vision now. That part is permanent so that your daily activities are more difficult. And again, three and a half million Americans over the age of 40. That's a lot of people. From there, we want to go to the definition of legally blind. Legally blind is what we call 2200 vision. And the best way to explain that is, again, thinking about that eye chart. If you're standing 20 feet away from that eye chart and you're asked to start reading those letters, you can't read any of those letters. Your vision actually makes that eye chart look like it, the chart might be as up to about 200 feet away. So there's no way you're going to be able to read any of those letters. Um, legally blind is also a diagnosis given to you by a doctor. You can't just say you're legally blind. You have to be diagnosed. And also it affects about a million Americans over the age of 40. So hopefully those definitions help a little bit um, when it comes to vision loss, because everybody falls into one of those categories. And then of course, the last category would be totally blind, which are people that have no ability to tell light from dark or the complete inability to see anything at all. So any questions on those four definitions? If not, I will keep going. I can't see you guys, <laughs> so I'm gonna, okay, I'll keep going. The next slide we're gonna talk about again, just redefines vision impairment. Um, and just for information's sake, we are living in, the a in an age right now of aging baby boomers. Um, we've got more people right now living that are um, over the age of, I think, 65 than we have ever had before. So because of that, we are seeing more and more people that have vision impairment, which is something to think about when, you know, when we're working at Braille Institute, we have a lot of uh, seniors right now that are, that are, we're serving. But low vision, again, is a severe reduction in vision that cannot be corrected with standard glasses or contact lenses, and it reduces a person's ability to function at certain or all tasks. From here, we're going to get into the definitions of different eye diseases. And what I'm going to show in my slides is going to be the same picture in each slide. But in, the, in each picture, the, um, the picture will be mimicking the eye disease. So the picture is a picture of like some mountains and there's a valley and there's trees. There's a reflection of the lake and there's, you know, clouds in the sky. And it's just, it's very colorful and it's very clear. 
But in each picture, again, we're going to be talking about the eye disease and what that person with that eye disease might see um, when they're looking at this picture. The first one is going to be age-related macular degeneration, which is abbreviated as AMD. And again, if you're looking at that picture, you'll notice that the whole center of the picture is blurred out. We're not able to see much detail. And we're able to see the outside of the picture pretty good. But again, no, no central vision. So with AMD, we're talking about um, age-related macular degeneration is a disease that blurs the sharp central vision that you need for straight-ahead activities. Things like reading, sewing, driving. Um, I like to think of, you know, people that are putting on makeup, looking at yourself in the mirror. If you sit down to eat, you know, a plate of food, you're not going to be able to see what's right in front of you. So again, those straight ahead activities, this is going to be difficult for a person that's living with AMD. It affects the macula, which is the part of your eye that allows you to see fine detail. And typically it doesn't cause you to have pain. But we do know that there's different kinds of AMD. There's wet and there's dry. And it can change. Sometimes people will have wet and it turns to dry or dry and it turns to wet. And depending on what kind of AMD you have, uh, depends on the kind of treatment that you might be getting for it. So when we say typically it doesn't cause you to have pain, sometimes the treatments for AMD can be painful as a lot of people that have uh, wet macular degeneration have to take injections in the eye. We'll go to the next slide. And again, it's that same picture, but in this picture, we're mimicking the um, eye disease diabetic retinopathy. And because we have so many people um, that have lost a lot of vision because of diabetes, this is a really good one to talk about. But basically, um, what you're looking at in this picture is the whole picture of the mountain range and the trees and all that. You can see everything, but the whole entire picture is distorted with spots and a little bit of blurred vision, making it really difficult to see the picture clearly but you are still able to see it. It's just very distorted with those spots. So diabetic retinopathy affects the blood vessels and the light sensitive tissue called the retina that lines the back of your eye. It's the most common cause of vision loss among people that are living with diabetes. And it's the leading cause of vision impairment and blindness among working age adults. Now this picture that we're showing is spotted. Again, you know, it just mimics the disease. But a lot of times people will have way different than what this picture shows. You know, their spots might be really tiny. Their spots might be huge. Sometimes they've lost all their vision from diabetic retinopathy. So this is just an example of what some people are living with. And again, um, if, you're, if you are living with this and you, do, or you are interested in taking services from Braille Institute, um, we do have a lot of classes and workshops and you know information about people that that live with diabetes. We do like diabetic support groups. We do diabetes cooking classes and that kind of thing because again, a lot of our students that are coming to Braille um, have diabetes. The next eye disease is glaucoma. And again, looking at that same picture of the mountain range and all, we're able to see everything but the periphery or the sides of the picture. So we can see the middle of it pretty good. And this is typical of glaucoma causes you to have tunnel vision or losing your side or your peripheral vision. Glaucoma is a group of eye conditions that can damage your optic nerves. The nerve sends the images you see to your brain. However, when the optic nerves are damaged, it causes you to start to have those blind spots in your vision. Glaucoma is the number one main cause of blindness in the United States. This is important to, to talk about as well because people that are living gla with glaucoma, again, you start to lose your peripheral vision or your side vision. And that's one of those things that we don't really think about. We don't um, pay attention to that peripheral vision until we're losing it. 
um, once you started to lose that peripheral vision, you know, it becomes really clear that, you know, you didn't see that thing out of the corner of your eye. Things like driving or being able to walk up and down stairs or stepping off a curb are now going to be, you know, a huge safety risk for you if, you've, if you're losing that peripheral or your side vision. The next eye disease we're going to talk about is retinitis pigmentosa. And in the picture, um, we're able to see something. We, we have like a light, enough light to where we're able to pick up that there's something there in the picture, but there's no detail to the picture to be able to really let us see what we're looking at. With retinitis pigmentosa, it usually starts with losing your night vision, losing your peripheral vision, and then eventually the person might go completely blind. With retinitis pigmentosa, it's abbreviated as RP. This affects the retina, causing it to deteriorate over time. RP is typically genetic and symptoms can begin as early as childhood. So again, it's not uncommon for us to see people that have RP, that maybe they have a brother or a sister or somebody else in the family um, that also has RP. In addition to losing your peripheral vision and struggles with night vision, RP symptoms can include light sensitivity and loss of color perception. So even though a person living with RP may not be able to see very well, they might still have light sensitivity and the light might be really, um, you know, difficult for them to be under. They might be more comfortable in dark. Sorry, I can hear somebody. Hello? Okay, I'll keep going. Did somebody have a question? Okay. Um, and again, loss of color perception. This is a good one to understand as well, because sometimes um, when people start to lose the, the, the be able to tell what a color is, you know, that could be a difficult part of your daily activity. And we'll get into that in a little bit. The next one we're going to talk about is cataracts. Cataracts, um, again, if you're looking at the picture, you're able to see the whole picture again, but it's just really, really bright. It's almost glaringly bright to the point where it's difficult to tell what the picture is because it's way too bright. Um, cataracts uh, lead to cloudy vision and glare sensitivity. So when a person gets older, they start the lens in their eye starts to break down. And this is just anybody. I mean, most of us are probably going to have to deal with cataracts at some point in time. Um, the lens starts to break down and it becomes opaque. So it's kind of like you're looking through uh, like a cloudy uh, window or a dusty windshield. Eyes with cataracts often see blurred images or less colorful images. And again, that glare sensitivity can be horrible for people with cataracts. Um, sometimes when we're doing classes in person, we'll make sure the persons that have this glare sensitivity sits facing away from the window or, you know, maybe if they need to wear their sunglasses inside, that's fine. The next one we're going to talk about is called Charles Bonnet syndrome. Charles Bonnet syndrome is not an eye disease, it's a syndrome. It's also um, what we call visual hallucinations. And we bring this up um, during these presentations because a lot of people are not aware that this is a thing. But Charles Bonnet syndrome can happen to anybody that's um, suddenly lost their vision due to trauma or having a stroke or if they've had injury. It can also be an, a side effect of macular degeneration. But it's just important to talk about because when a person's losing their vision, um, and they do see something that's not really there or a visual hallucination, it can be terrifying for a person to see something that really doesn't exist. So I want you to think about your regular routine. Maybe you're, you're at home and you're going to get up and go use the bathroom in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden you see a dark shadowy figure, you know, sitting in the middle of your hallway. This is uh, one of the students I've worked with has told me the same story. 
that's a symptom of Charles Bonnet syndrome. She's seen something that's not there, but to her, it looks like there's like a shadowy figure standing in the hallway. Um, and again, this can be terrifying to, to somebody. So just being aware and knowing that this is something that can happen to you with vision loss, it's something that's really important to talk to your doctor about just to find out if this is something that you have. And also to know that this is not a sign of mental illness. Um, and usually it's temporary and it doesn't last forever. So typically, um, I would just pause at this time and ask if anyone has any questions or comments about the eye diseases that we talked about. And if not, I will continue. All right, I'm going to keep going. So next, I'm just going to talk about who we are at Braille Institute. Uh, we were founded in 1919 by Robert Atkinson. So we've been around for over 100 years. Um, all of our services are free. We're a private nonprofit organization. And what we do is we help people that are living with vision loss to lead independent, fulfilling, and active lives. Uh, the picture on the slide just shows a, an old black and white picture of the original Braille Institute in, in Los Angeles with a whole bunch of people standing in front of the building. Um, and it's, you know, dated back in 1919. So it's a really old picture. Um, we started as a Braille printing press in a library. And from there, we've been able to open centers all over Southern California. The next slide just shows our centers that we have in Southern California. And I know you guys are not here, <laughs> but we do have, uh, you know, centers in Anaheim, Los Angeles, Coachella Valley, Riverside, Santa Barbara, San Diego, and Laguna Hills. But that being said, we're still able to offer our services to people anywhere um, if they can join our classes and workshops remote. Um, we do have the classes at our centers, but again, if you can't come to the center, we will try to find a way to connect you into the class, either over your computer, over your phone. Uh, we'll figure it out. We want to talk next about the programs and services that we offer at Braille Institute. Losing your vision doesn't mean losing yourself. Instead, it means learning a new way to do things. And this is basically what we're all about. Uh, we understand that people don't really need to be taught how to do something from the very beginning. They just need to be taught how to do it differently. So we start usually with our low vision rehabilitation services. And then from there, we just branch out into any department that a person's interested in. We offer library services, technology. We have a youth and child development program. We have orientation and mobility services, daily living skills, and home services. We're going to go in the order that we kind of take people in when they want to start services. And we're going to start by talking about our low vision intake process. So if you're interested in starting to work with Braille or getting our services from us, the first thing we're going to ask you to do is take a form to your um, doctor that's treating you for your um, whatever your eye disease is. If it's your eye doctor, your ophthalmologist, this form will go to your doctor and your doctor will fill it out, basically telling us what your vision loss is. Once we get this form back, we're going to give you a call and we're going to start what we call the, um, the intake process. We're going to do kind of an interview with you and ask you some questions, ask you some questions about, you know, what are goals that you're interested in. And then from there, we're going to schedule your first appointment. If you live local, we'd like to see you in person. If you don't live local, we'll do the appointment online or over the phone with our low vision specialist. The next slide we show, um, it's a picture of somebody holding up a handheld magnifying device. And this, um, for this slide, we're going to talk about the first appointment in person or over the phone or, or remote. And that's um, our consultation with our low vision specialist. 
If you do have vision, we want to maximize it. We want to find out what devices you can maybe use to better the tasks that you like to do in your daily life. So, you know, your first appointment, we're going to talk to you about goals that are important to you. What are things that bring you joy and fulfillment that we can maybe help you with? Maybe some safety things that you need to talk about, um, just things that you do in your daily activity. We're going to talk to you about lighting, contrast, glare management. And again, we're going to introduce some different optical devices, things like digital magnifiers, um, magnification lighting, anything that can maximize your remaining vision. This is a personalized one-on-one -on -one assessment. And again, if you're able to come to the center, we, we encourage you to bring a family member with you. If it's got to be done remote, again, even if we're doing it over Teams or Zoom or over, you know, FaceTime, if you've got other family members that can be present, sometimes that's really helpful. We want to get the focuses that we want to be able to get to teaching you techniques that will increase your independence and help you with your day-to-day -day tasks. So during this appointment, we're going to ask you for things like, are you able to read books or newspaper or magazine? How are you doing signing your name? Are you able to recognize people's faces? How is it um, for you when you watch TV or use your computer? Or how is it for you to read your mail or look at your medication bottles and so on? We want to make sure that we're getting underneath all these daily tasks. And if again, if we can offer a device that can help you, that's what we do during this um, consultation. And then from there, it's just kind of what are your goals? What do you want to work on? And then from there, we'll um, direct you to different departments. So this kind of next part doesn't really go in any particular order, but the first department we're going to talk about is our technology department. Our technology department is called Connection Point, and all of our centers have different technology instructors that can teach you how to use your, um, your technology um, devices. So whether you're using a smartphone or a tablet, a computer, um, it doesn't matter if you're using an iPhone, an Android, an iPad. We want to be able to teach you how to use the accessibility features that are already built into your device and then just, you know, teach you how to use things like apps, how to be able to, you know, check your email, use your, you know, your, I'm trying to think right now without looking at the slide, sorry, <laughs> um, but just be able to help you with that. And the great thing about our departments is we're able to offer you these services in different ways. You can attend a class um, with other people who are also vision impaired. And some of the classes, for example, would be like tech and app confidence, or you can join a workshop. Workshops, you're in a workshop as far as I'm concerned right now. Workshops are open to anybody that wants to join. You can go on our website and just sign up for a workshop. Workshops usually tackle one subject. Uh, it's usually a one time you come in, you do the workshop and then you're done. So some of our workshops are going to be like how to use your computer with vision loss, something like that. But again, you can also do one-on-one -on -one assistance. Maybe you want to learn how to use voiceover or use a text reader or how to download an app or how to use apps on your phone. Maybe you're not even sure how to do particular things on your phone and you've had your phone or you want to switch and maybe try using a different phone um, or whatever it is that you have. So again, these appointments can be really valuable to a person with vision impairment because again, we want to work with you and focus on your goals and things that you want to learn. From there, the next department we're going to talk about is our library services. Remember, we started as a printing press in a library. So this is probably, you know, one of the oldest things that, we've, that we can offer to you is our library services. Um, we want to make sure that you're still able to read books. 
Some of our students um, are, can still read text pretty good with a magnified screen. Um, some of them can still read large print. But after a while, if it gets to be too difficult for you to do that, we want to introduce audiobooks to you. Um, we've got lots of programs that include um, how to be able to like join a workshop or a class or a book talk or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that we offer with our library services. But just using an audiobook player is a nice way for you to be able to continue to read books. Um, if you need materials in Braille, we can get that for you as well. We have over 100,000 recorded books and magazines and over 75,000 books in Braille that we can offer to you. And again, these are all free services. You can go online to order your books, or if you're pretty good at using your smartphone or your tablet, you can use the app called BARD. BARD stands for Braille Audio Reader Download, and it's an app that we can help you get on your device, and we teach you how to download books and listen to books for free, um, just like you would an audiobook player, only it's now on your device. Um, if you do choose to get the audiobook player, what we do is we do it all through the mail. We will mail you the book player and we'll mail you a cartridge that's got as many books as we can fit on there so that you're able to listen to books on your cartridge, I mean, on your audiobook player through your cartridge. And then when you're done, you just return the cartridge in the mail and we'll put more books on there for you. Um, again, the services are done through the mail, online or in person if you're able to come in. But again, it's a great free service for people with vision impairment. Next slide we're going to talk about is our orientation and mobility department. Um, this is a really important department because everybody needs to be able to get from point A to point B, but you know, everyone's different on how they get around. It doesn't necessarily mean getting around as in walking. It could be driving. It could just be um, maybe you're able to do a lot of things, but maybe you've had an issue and you've had a fall and it's difficult for you to go up and down stairs or maybe just when you're out and about, uh, you need some help when you're in a big crowded area or a big empty area, something like that. So again, our orientation and mobility um, instructors will just work with you, again, one-on-one -on -one in a classroom environment or through workshops. We want to teach you how to get around safely. Um, in the picture on this slide, we see a woman um, using a white cane wearing sunglasses. She's got a cross uh, bag going across her body and she's crossing the street um, on the intersection and right behind her is her orientation mobility instructor that's helping her, teaching her how to use her white cane. Not everybody that has vision impairment is ready to use a white cane or can use a white cane. But if you are a person that's ready to use one, this is a great way to get, you know, really good uh, training from a specialist to be able to know that you're using the right cane and how to use it. Uh, we'll, again, work with you one-on-one, -on -one, help you to navigate narrow spaces, going up and down stairs, you know, walking through your neighborhood getting transportation options um, where you live if you need it, if you need to give up driving. Even if you're a person that still drives, but you only drive certain times of the day, you know, if you need to have transportation options, it's good to work with one of these instructors so they can help you with that. The next department we're going to talk about is our daily living skills um, and healthy living department. This is the department that I work in, and um, this is the department that just offers all our classes, our workshops, anything that has to do with your daily living. In the picture, we see one of our instructors that works at our Coachella Valley Center, and she's teaching a cooking class. Uh, there's a bunch of ladies in class with her, and they're all just looks like to me like they're making a salad. But she's teaching them how to use different kinds of techniques for chopping, measuring, 
um, different kinds of things you can put on your hands as a, like a protector, that kind of a thing. And she's teaching them how to use different devices so that you're able to uh, read a recipe and so on. We have programs that you can um, that help you to find your way back to the life that you love. Classes are available in person, they're available online, or you can join over your phone. Um, we've got so many different classes to choose from at Braille Institute. Um, I teach the independent living skills classes. We have arts and reading classes. We have a diabetes health and cooking class. Um, I'm right now currently teaching a class called Healthy Living, which I know a couple of you guys <laughs> are in. Um, and, you know, we just do different recipes every week that, you know, focus on health, um, low sugar, low salt, low fat, high protein, low carb, that kind of thing. And it's all done online where we're teaching you how to be able to do these recipes, you know, using finger protectors or using a screen reader to read the recipe and so on. We teach Braille. We teach sensory awareness, meaning bringing awareness to your other senses so you don't completely rely on your sight to do things. We've got book clubs. We've got community resources workshops where we invite guest speakers to come and talk to our students about different things that they offer um, in their community. We have support groups. We have games classes. We have just a bunch of different things that you can choose from. Classes are for students only, meaning you've gone through the low vision process and you do have vision impairment. And again, workshops are open to the public. The next slide we're going to talk about just kind of briefly is about the emotional, um, the emotional um, process that people go through when they have uh, vision loss. It's, it's similar to the grieving process. Um, so it's not uncommon for people when they're losing their vision to go through these different emotional stages, which is going to be denial, bargaining, anger, depression, and acceptance. There's no order that it necessarily goes in, and not everybody will go through each one of these. But it's just good to know that when a person is diagnosed with vision loss and they're going through this uh, for the first time, these, these are some really common things that people go through. Losing your vision has been linked to having loneliness, social isolation, and feelings of worry, anxiety, and fear. So it's really important that we, when we bring somebody into Braille, that we're aware of, you know, where they are in this emotional, um, you know, stage. Some people come to Braille Institute for the first time and they're angry, they're frustrated, um, you know, and they take it out on us and we're, we're used to that. Some people are in acceptance and they're just, they're ready to move on. They're ready to start, you know, living their life. We don't know what kind of stage you're in when you come in. Um, so we're just prepared for that. Because we know about that, we also offer um, blind and low vision social workers. Um, we have different kinds of therapy that we can offer the people that come to Braille Institute. We have individualized support and we can do goal planning within the Braille Institute. And also we go outside of Braille into the communities. We can offer resources and links to people that need um, therapy. We can offer short-term counseling for people. And we can also provide referrals to the family members who are also going through this. We've got some classes that we offer at our um, Los Angeles Center that are offered in English and in Spanish. We've got our child development and our youth programs. In the slide, we see a picture of a bunch of kids standing in front of a bridge. They're all holding their white canes. And right in the middle is the instructor that took them out on a, on like, looks like an outing. Um, it's really important for, for children that have, you know, grown up with um, vision loss to be involved in different groups where they're meeting other people that are also vision impaired. So we start as early as birth to six years in our youth, in our um, child development program. 
And what we do is we work with family members and medical and educational professionals just to be able to assist the family and the children that are living with vision loss. After six years, we they can enter the youth program, which are ages seven to 19. And what we're doing there is we're just um, working with the schools again. We're expanding their core curriculum so that we're able to help that person make social connections and, and friendships um, with other people that have vision impairment. We've got national programs like the Braille Challenge, the Cane Quest, Johnny Mercer Youth Program, and the Summer Reading Program, so that people that are um, you know younger that are living with vision loss can get involved um, with these different um, organizations um, around the country. So just to recap, um, again, if you want to get started using our services, the first thing you would do is take that eye doctor, um, that eye care physician form, we call it the doctor referral form, and give it to your eye doctor. We can fax the form for you. You can also get the form off of our website. Um, once that form's completed, we're going to, you know, do an intake and we're going to talk to you. Um, if you're able to come in on your first appointment, we're going to ask you to bring anything that you have that you're now using to help you with your vision loss. If you're wearing glasses, using a magnifier, whatever. And just be prepared to talk about the things that you like to do. Um, you know, maybe you're still crocheting or maybe you're still playing golf or maybe you're still doing whatever. Let us know about that so we can kind of help you to set some goals. Um, the in-person appointments have to be done by appointment, um, which I don't know too many of you guys that are, are joining today would be able to do in person. But, you know, again, we just want to make sure that we're able to give you the time that you need. So make an appointment. Um, we don't have to talk about masks anymore. <laughs> this is an old slide. Um, and again, we have the remote services as well. We get our money through donations. So got to go on this one really quick. Um, donations is what keeps our programs and our services free. There's lots of ways to donate to Braille Institute if you're interested. Uh, we do take donation of, excuse me, of money, but we also take donation of equipment. Uh, a lot of times people will say that, you know, they no longer are using this, this magnifier or whatever thing that they're using to help them with vision loss. And if it's in good condition, uh, we will screen the product, um, see if it's, you know, something that we can, you know, take in. And if we can, we have things professionally cleaned and stored. And then what's great about what we do is uh, we can turn around and loan it out to another person. So it's, it's always good to give. Um, and again, if you're able to give to Braille Institute, it's a great way to you know, to be able to help us out. From there, I've only got a couple more slides and then I'll open it up to questions. Um, we just want to talk next, this next slide, we want to talk about what's called human guide technique. Um, human guide is when we teach people how to get from here to there when you have to ask another person to help you. So in the picture, you're going to see um, people that are coupled together going down a, a flight of stairs. One person is going to be blindfolded and the other person isn't. It's just important to know that um, the people that come to Braille Institute that have vision loss are one side of it, but the other side is the sighted people. We have to also teach people that are sighted how to help a person if needed that has vision impairment. So we like to teach human guide to pretty much anybody. We need to help um, a, a sighted person know how to guide a person who's vision impaired if they ever do need help. And we also need to help the vision impaired person how to ask for help and how to know how to ask for help, like how to know, instruct somebody, this is how I want you to help me. So human guide is something that we, that we teach to pretty much anybody. We're going to teach how to make contact, how to grasp or hold on to somebody, your stance or the body language that you're given off when you're walking with another person, 
how to go through a narrow area, how to go in and out of a doorway without letting go of somebody's, um, you know, grasp, how to um, be able to t help somebody get to their seat, how to go up and down stairs, and so on. There's just a lot to be learned um, with human guide. And I think for people that are vision impaired, um, they just need to be able to know that there is a right way and a wrong way. And to be able to advocate for yourself and say how you want to be guided is really important. And again, for people that are sighted, it's also important to know, you know, when you should um, offer help to somebody who's vision impaired and be able to pay attention to what you're doing to help them and make sure that you're doing it correctly. Um, and then again, the last um, slide or two, we're just going to talk about mobility tips and lighting. Um, in the picture, we're, we're looking at a couple pictures of somebody's home. The first picture, we see a throw rug that's all curled up. Just things in the home to think about. You know, think about the trip hazards. Think about your throw rugs. If they're not secured down really well, make sure you put something down to secure them or just get rid of them. And things like clutter, things in your pathway. People that are vision impaired tend to memorize their pathways in the home. They don't always use their mobility device if they have one in the home because they're comfortable there. So if somebody comes in and clutters your pathway, just make sure that that's something that you take care of. Replacing all the items in the same location every time is just like, I can't even express how many times that gets brought up. Um, it's just really important to have that communication and that kind of support at home where people are aware that they need to put things back where they go. Uh, and then just having that communication, warning people, the dishwasher's open, the oven's open. If somebody's got no peripheral vision, that could be a huge safety risk. Keeping your phone within reach, within reach or wearing like a, you know, device around your neck where you can contact someone if there's an emergency, if you've had a fall, but also goes the other way. If somebody's um, trying to contact you and you don't have your phone on you, you know, it's nice to be able to answer your phone if, if you can, and that way people don't worry about you. Installing grab handles, non-skid mats in the bathroom, that's always helpful if you need it in your home. And again, with lighting, we go into the next slide. Just make sure you've got good, sufficient lighting in your home, especially in stairways, um, places like underneath the sink or underneath cabinets that are, you know, below closets, any kind of area that um, doesn't typically get good lighting. You just want to make sure you put good lighting in there if you need it or installing night lights if you need it. And they make them so easy now where you can get extra lighting in your home by, you know, putting these things that you can just stick to the wall with a light switch or whatever you need to get. They're pretty easy to add extra lighting into your home. But again, make sure you put the right kind of lighting in. Putting in handrails inside or outside or marking the edges of the steps so you're able to see some contrast before you take on the stairs going up or down it can be really important. And then again, just the common sense things like if you get up from the table, push your chair in, close the cupboards when you're done. And again, don't be rearranging the furniture or moving things around so that the person with vision impairment has to figure out what you just did or, you know, get hurt from that. And then our last slide is just our contact information. Um, again, I'm at the Laguna Hills Center, but basically the best way to get a hold of anybody at Braille Institute is to go on our website at www.brailleinstitute.org or you can call the 1-800-BRAILLE number, which is, I can't see it on my screen, I think it's 272, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sure you guys can see it. Um, I'm going to find it. I can't find it. But anyway, you can always get in touch with us at any of our centers, 272-4553. Um, um, you can get in touch with any of us and just tell us what you're interested in and we can direct you to the right person.
So that's pretty much it for my um, presentation. I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Let's see if I can do this correctly. And stop it for you if you'd like. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, I think yeah. I did it. Stop. You sure. did it. There we go. You did. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, oh, there's a lot of people here. Hi, Debbie. I see Debbie's here. Um, so yeah, I have I have a little bit of time left before you guys um, want to go to your announcements. But um, let me know if there's any questions or comments. Um, a couple of you guys have been in my classes in the past, and I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to answer any questions. Go ahead. Debbie's got her hand up. DJ? You can. Hi. Hi, guys. Okay. Um, <clears throat> can you tell me, Julie, um, about... Um, oh, I, I don't know. I hear some speaking, but I don't know if it's me. Um, I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. What, what I want to know is in terms of one-on-ones, if there's things, since I live in the Southern California area, can I make a one-on-one, -on -one, say, for example, with cooking or something that I, I need to feel how it's working? Um, it, it, do I got the right texture? Am I, you know, if I tend to be squeamish about using something that... Um, uh, I might get burned on, even though you know it's it's a safety thing. Yeah. And now, a, can, how do you do that? How do you do one on one for people who do not live in the area? Is there a way to yeah. better to do a one on one outside of uh, the Braille's areas? Yes. So. First of all, if, you, if you're able to come in, again, I know a lot of you can't, um, we would prefer one-on-one -on -one in person. If we can't do one-on-one -on -one in person, um, it just takes me back to when we were living in COVID and we all had to be working from home. We will try to work with you however it takes, whether we work with you over the phone, over Teams, over Zoom, over FaceTime, whatever we have that we can oh. talk to you on. Um, and again, lots of description. If the issue is, um, let's say, for example, you want to be able to make a recipe in your kitchen, but maybe cutting has become difficult for you. I'm going to describe to you different kinds of devices that you can use to protect your fingers. I'm going to ask you about the contrast you're using on your kitchen counter when you're cooking things. I'm going to ask you about the um, different kinds of devices you're using, like if you're using a chopper or if you're using a knife. Um, I'm going to get into a lot of detail with you so I can understand what you're using now and maybe, again, offer some tips that maybe we can kind of switch things up a little bit. If I have stuff available, I'll send it to you in the mail um, if it's going to be helpful to you. If I don't have it available, I'll email you vendors of um, places that maybe you'd be interested in you know, purchasing something like a finger protector or a cut resistant glove or a two-sided cutting board that offers you black and white contrast when you're cooking in the kitchen and on and on and on and on. But, you know, we don't, we can't, um, we can't always have the luxury of working with the person one-on-one -on -one in person. So we have to be able to adapt to that when, when a person calls. And this goes for any department, not just the department I'm in. So whether it's technology or orientation and mobility or library or anything, we'll, we'll be able to work with you on that. Okay, so it's, it's a little more than description and, and conversation about how to do something than what you can get in the class itself. Yeah. If I'm not, and if you can do, oh, maybe with an iPad or something, you can do, um, what do you call it? FaceTime even. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That, that would work. Yeah. Any, anything oh, that we sweet. have available. Um, 
And again, yeah. some, some people that use your services don't use a computer. They don't have a smartphone. Yeah. They only have a landline. That's fine. I'll call you. Um, it just oh. depends. Yeah, it's all, it's all based on you. Everything's individual. I so, want to meet your goals. I want you to tell me what you need, and then I'll work with you from there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Anybody else? At the moment, Julie, we have no raised hands. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me talk. I appreciate it. This is Roberta. Hi, Roberta. So, I have a couple of follow-up questions. Um, okay. Do you provide uh, training for family members and friends as well? And, uh, you know, to... And for example, what are, you know, what are some effective ways to support my family member or friend? Yes, we do. And that would be in the form of workshops or one-on-one -on -one appointments. Um, again, classes are reserved just for people that have vision impairment. And we do that so that it's kind of like a safe space um, so that the person with vision and with vision loss doesn't have all the other people present. But workshops are open to the public. Um, and one-on-one -on -one appointments are open to as many people as you want to bring into the appointment, depending on the instructor. For me, as an instructor, I will welcome the whole family in. Some instructors will only take like one or two people in their classroom. It's up to them. Um, but yeah, I want as many people as possible to be to be part of this, um, you know, learning and teaching and instruction because it affects everybody. It's not just the person with vision loss. Um, mm -hmm. And that, sometimes that's really difficult to to be understood when it comes to that. And, and, I, and I feel for people that are living with vision impairment that have several family members in the home that, that don't get involved because you really need the whole family to be involved for things to be successful. Um, you need people to be patient and you need people to listen and you need people to follow up with the things that we're teaching you. So personally for me, I want the more the merrier. Um, but yeah, we definitely want to include the family as much as they want to be part of it. Great. Um, okay, so then my second question is, I'm, maybe it's an observation, I just want to confirm. Your programs are all um, day programs. You don't do any overnight or residential. We don't do any, um, no, we're, we are open from 8.30 to 5, Monday through Friday. Um, okay. Personally, me, I'm an outreach instructor, so I do work an occasional weekend, an occasional night, like right now. Um, but that's because of the, the, you know, what I do at, at Braille Institute. We do have some outreach instructors um, at, at all of our centers. So there's typically one or two people that will be able to do this, but not, not in every department for sure. Um, great. And um, in some, in some ways, your description reminds me of um, Hadley in the sense that um, People can participate regardless of their location, um, and and you make your services available to, you know, the public and that kind of thing. Um, so I'm curious, what is what is the process for students to have access to their instructors if they have individual questions or they just want to clarify something? How would that work? Usually, um, when you are signing up for classes, you're signing up through that center. So again, I'm at the Laguna Hills Center. So if you needed to get in touch with me, um, I would personally, I would give you my direct email or my phone. So that way you can get in touch with me. But you would also have um, access to my center 
So you could call my center and ask for me um, and I can get in touch with you that way. Um, I just find it better from my point of view to be to give my students my phone and my email. That way we have a good open communication. Um, you know, as an outreach instructor, I am kind of hard to get in touch with because I'm out. I'm not always <laughs> at my desk um, or I'm teaching or whatever. So I want my students to be able to get in touch with me. I think it's frustrating to call and I'm not here and I, you know, leave a voicemail. So I just do that for my students. But yeah, any of our classes that you sign up for, you're signing up through that center. So for example, if maybe you wanted to take a class at the San Diego Center, um, you'd have access to that center's information and you can always call and request to talk to that instructor. Great. Allison, any hands yes. raised? Not at the moment. And okay. we have 12 minutes, just so you know. <laughs> I was okay. trying to wrap it up because you guys wanted me to be done a little early. So I hope hopefully you guys have enough time. <laughs> oh, we have plenty of time. Good, good. Um, I those are the questions that I had. Um, is there are there some is there more information you want would like to add, Julie? Because we do have a few more minutes. If you would like to I mean, add something, you know, I just I think what we do at Braille is is helpful. I I know for me, working at Braille Institute's been a life changer for me. I've learned so much from my students. Um, I'm I'm always amazed at the the motivation and the perseverance people have shown me that they continue to do. Um, I know I've worked with Teresa and DJ who's on who's in this call right now and and I I just I'm really impressed all the time by the things that they're able to do. Um it's it's motivating to me. Um I I like to get underneath what what you know what a person wants to learn and try to figure out a way how to help them. Um diabetes does uh, affect my family as well. Um so I that's a personal one for me so I've tried to incorporate as many classes and lessons and recipes and instruction that has to do with helping people that also are living with diabetes. And again, I have a lot of students that are coming to Braille because they have diabetic retinopathy. So that's a close one to me. Um, but it's not just me. There's a lot of instructors that, that offer that as well. Like I said, we've got diabetic support groups. We've got cooking classes, all kinds of stuff. Um, I changed my class from diabetic cooking to healthy living because I was getting complaints from people who weren't diabetic that wanted to take my class. So it's called healthy living. But you know, in the back of my head, I'm really catering it to the diabetics. But anyway, that's just me. But no, yeah, I think if you have any questions um, about what we do or how to get started, just give us a call. Um, and we'll be happy to work with you and answer your questions. I copied down the 800 number. So um, I'll just repeat it. Um, it's 800-272-4553. That's correct and www.brailleinstitute.org. That's correct. Great. So maybe what we'll, we'll do, we'll put this information on our email list because there are people who are not with us tonight who actually frequent the list. So we'll do that, and that should help as well. Perfect. Thanks, you guys. Great. Thanks again You're for welcome. having me. And, Roberta, Thank just so real much, quick Julie. before you yes. hang up, this is Tom, I'm Julie... Julie, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, oh, you're welcome. Becky had a technical issue. She dropped off. But I just want to remind everyone that's here tonight that we are um, trying to renew our membership for 2024. So if you're interested in doing that, please reach out to acbdaorg at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, 
at www.acbda.org and you can uh, click on the membership link and renew your membership that way. So, but Julie, thanks again so much for being here tonight. We really appreciate it. And um, Roberta, thank you for being a, a great facilitator. And Allison, thank you're you. the hostess with the mostest. So thanks. The hostess, that's it. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> thank you, Julie. Thanks.